Welcome to the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast, where successful dental pros and anyone who values the power of a smile can get an edge in the dynamic worlds of healthcare and business. Hosts Chuck Cohen and Rick Cohen speak with top influencers in the world of dentistry and explore essential tools, trends worth your time, and solutions that help you practice smarter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Driving Dentistry Forward, the podcast where we talk to the leaders of dentistry. Today, our guest is Dr. Katie Ravel. She's originally from Mumbai, India, and she's a graduate of um, dental school in, in, in India, and she's done her residency in the United States. She's currently a professor at Boston University and Harvard Dental Schools. Her specialty is geriatric dentistry, and that's where we're going to mostly focus on today. Good afternoon, doctor. Glad you're here. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Um, well, talk to us a little bit about your personal story uh, from India to the United States and how you got interested in dentistry and then how you got interested in geriatric dentistry. Oh, absolutely. I get asked that question a lot, uh, especially now that there's a lot of interest among students and newer dental grads in uh, the field of geriatrics and treating older adults with the boom in the older adult population. So um, as a child, I was very inspired by my mom, who is a family physician. Uh, she's actually going on her 40th year as a family physician. Um, so I would hang around her office, her, uh, her clinic all the time. Um, and I was really very inspired by her. But uh, growing up, my father is an engineer and he always saw that I was inclined towards artistic things and building. And I went ahead and took a bench test when I was uh, 15 or 16 years old, still in high school, about what would be the best career that would fit um, all of my talents and all of my skills. And medicine and engineering, dentistry is a perfect amalgamation of the two. And so that's how I got really inspired and interested to become a dentist. Now, while I was in dental school, I believe I was in my second year of dental school, my grandma uh, got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And although it's a multi-organ um, disease and there's a lot going on in her body at the time, one of her chief complaints was dental. She had a lot of dental issues, a lot of periodontal issues. And unfortunately at that time, um, she went from dentist to dentist, specialist to specialist in Mumbai, uh, which as you know, is a huge cosmopolitan city with extremely trained professionals. And none of them felt confident treating her or taking on the liability of an older adult with uh, living with comorbidities um, and treating her in the dental chair. And um, it was, I was still only in dental school. So very, very, it was very difficult for me to be able to help her and my need in wanting to help her that it's, um, she passed a couple of years after. That's when I decided that no older adult should have to go through that. And there should be care available for older adults living with comorbidities. And that was one of the fields that I wanted to uh, take on. And I definitely wanted to not just learn more within that field and provide that service, but I knew right then that I wanted to teach it to others so that this would not happen as much as it does, unfortunately, in many parts of the world. Wow. Well, talk to us a little bit about how you came to be in the United States uh, from India, from where your education, where you were born. 
Sure. Um, so, uh, so geriatrics was again one of the things that there were very few countries around the world that were teaching it uh, within their residency programs. Uh, and this was 2007, 2008, which is when I started my process of thinking about what I wanted to do next. I was still in dental school, but I was kind of wrapping up with dental school and I wanted to chart my uh, path forward. So this was, uh, the United States was definitely one of my top choices, uh, simply because they taught geriatric dentistry. Um, and there were programs available in which you could learn so much more about it. Um, I had read so many papers, but there were so many specialists who were not only practicing it, teaching it, writing about it, researching in it. Uh, and of course, since 2009, uh, there has been a different trajectory uh, within the field of geriatric dental medicine as well. And I'm so glad that I could have uh, been a part of it. So that's what brought me to the United States. That's excellent. So talk a little bit about geriatric dentistry as a specialty. It's, it's not a specialty per se, like orthodontics or endodontics. Do you think it should be a specialty? And if so, or if not, what makes it different than practicing, let's say, general dentistry? Got it. So let me, uh, I, I do this a lot, so don't mind, but I'm just going to correct you there and uh, calling instead of calling it geriatric dentistry, uh, I would love for everyone to adopt the term geriatric dental medicine, because it is so much more than just uh, a procedural um, attempt in, in trying to um, look at the patient as a whole body. And we are definitely one of the many medical providers um, for our geriatric patients, because as you can imagine at that age, there's a lot going on with uh, several um, uh, systems uh, uh, malfunctioning, uh, especially with our older adults who are living with comorbidities. We do work as one wheel or one cog in the larger mechanics of things. So we work very closely with, uh, providing interprofessional care with the geriatric physicians. Uh, we also work with um, geriatric nutritionists, geriatric speech swallow pathologists. Uh, we also work very, very closely with um, uh, geriatric um, uh, physical therapists, uh, something as simple as how to hold the toothbrush or how to make the toothbrush a little bit better to make our older adults a little bit more independent in being able to provide care for themselves. And so we are just one little cog in, in the larger machinery. And so that's why I'm going to correct you and say geriatric dental medicine. Correction, and geriatric correction received. No worries. Um, um, what is the, what's the age group that we would say geriatric applies to? Again, that's a question I get asked a lot. And I will tell you this, that uh, while most persons are called older adults at the age of 65 and over, uh, geriatrics is a little bit different because uh, in the field of geriatrics, we consider a patient to be geriatric, not only age as a factor, but they also must have some other disabilities, some other comorbidities that are going on. Most of our patients are frail, older adults. Uh, with They're medically compromised. They have a long list of medications. So I also treat older adults who live in their home. They may be 90 years old. They drive their own car. Um, they make their own dental appointments. They show up on time. Uh, and so that patient I would call an older adult who is community dwelling, whereas patients that we treat at a long-term care facility who need others to provide care for them, patients who have this long list of medications or who may be wheelchair bound or may use a cane, may use a hearing aid, and are also 90 years old, 
but have all of this other stuff going on, I would refer to them as a geriatric patient. So it's more along the lines of what their capabilities are uh, physically that really makes them geriatric or not. Uh, interesting. Absolutely. So what are, what are some of the dental challenges that geriatric patients face that you deal with all the time? And then how do you deal with them? Right. So um, there are, as you can imagine, if you have teeth in your mouth for 100 minus six years, <laughs> uh, for 94 years, and we do treat a lot of centenarians in our practice, they're must have something that must have happened to them or something's going on with them. Uh, the good part is that in the past 10 or 20 years, the edentulous rates that are older adults who have no teeth, those rates are falling. And so older adults are, you know, adults are getting older, having lost fewer teeth and having most of their teeth in their mouth. Now this causes new issues. Now there are periodontal problems that didn't happen before because no teeth, no periodontal problems. Uh, there are restorative problems. There are carious concerns, which means there's more decay around the teeth, teeth breaking down. And all of these are issues that can happen. Um, now also imagine an older adult who is on multiple medications or an older adult um, who has several other um, uh, systemic failures that are going on, either is under liver failure or has diabetes, has a lot of these other things going on. And we know the mouth is the portal to the body, that all of these things are reflected in their mouths. One of the biggest challenges that those of us who treat geriatric patients is managing the multi-system uh, conditions that's going on. And how do we address the dental concerns while keeping in mind that this patient cannot provide care for themselves, they're dependent on others to provide this care for them. How do we provide the best dental care for them when we know that they have several other systems in their body that need to be addressed, when there are other medications that are going on that may negatively impact their own oral health. And these are medications we cannot stop. So now there are all of these things like dry mouth, which is very common that's going on. Patients will come in saying, oh, six or seven years ago, I was not taking any medications. Now I'm on this big list of medications and all of my teeth are failing. They're moving, there's decay everywhere. I can't use my hands as well as I used to. I'm dependent on someone else to even brush my teeth, comb my hair. And so these are some of the common challenges that we face. As a geriatric care provider, one of my biggest challenges that I personally face is how do we provide comprehensive care to these patients most often in wheelchairs? Because very rarely are we able to transfer the patients. Uh, sometimes we do transfer the patients, but we need to make sure we're providing quality dental care to these patients while treating them in their wheelchairs itself. And sometimes in hospital beds, which is very, very different from what general dentists do because it's your, your work position is different. Uh, the way you would address the patient is very different uh, when the patient is not in a traditional dental chair that you kind of see behind me right now. Absolutely. Well, just hearing you talk about it, I'm really inspired. And the inspiration comes from the thought that uh, 90 years ago when my grandfather started Benco uh, in the 1930s in the United mm -hmm. States, most of the business was in artificial teeth because at the time, it was not unusual for adults to lose all of their teeth or a good portion of their teeth when they were in their 40s or 50s. The idea that today, three generations later, less than 100 years later, um, you're trying to figure out how to take care of patients who have their teeth for 
a hundred years or more in their mouth and that those teeth are still functioning is really, I think, a triumph for dentistry. Absolutely. It's also a triumph for um, how our society has um, succeeded and formed. Now there's fluoridated water, which you know didn't exist uh, back in the day. Um, also, people are more cognizant about taking care of their health. Uh, they are beginning to understand that the mouth is as much a part of their body as any other organ. Um, they are seeking dental care earlier on. Uh, patients who would have never considered getting implants are now getting implants. Uh, you'd be surprised how many patients I have over the age of 85 or 90 who have successfully had implants in their mouths. And now it's our job at the other end of the spectrum in geriatrics to maintain these implants and maintain the prosthesis that are now placed on these implants. So yes, life has changed quite a bit. Very, very exciting, actually. I think it's kind of cool. Um, what are the two or three things that you would share with other dentists who are thinking about treating geriatric patients on a regular basis? First of all, I would say everyone should welcome older adults in their practice, uh, simply because there is a very, very high need uh, among the older adult population to address their oral health concerns. Uh, but also that population, the baby boomer population is truly booming. And so it's almost going to be impossible, if not already, then a few years from now for a dentist to say, I don't treat older adults, because that's going to be every dentist's bread and butter, if you think about it. Uh, a lot of our patients also, you know, have invested well. And um, it's a lot of times patients will come in and say, I don't care what this costs. I want the best teeth in town. I want my smile. I want to be able to whistle. I'm going to go on a date next month. I need my beautiful smile. It's as much as part of my body as, you know, the rest of my face. And it's the first impression that they make. And even though now there's a pandemic and everyone's wearing masks, uh, you'd be surprised how many older adults are very, very hopeful that this pandemic will end soon and they'll come in and they'll say, fix all of this before the masks go away so that I can, when I take my mask out, I can flash my beautiful smile at everybody. So I would tell all of the dentists to absolutely welcome older adults in their practice. Um, in terms of how they may need to adapt their practice model, um, it's very important to know that older adults need more chairside time. Uh, that does not mean that uh, you may be doing more uh, dental procedures, uh, but it also means that a lot of time we take uh, extra time to go over their medical history. They may need to pause and take several breaks. They may have a lot more questions about their oral health than um, an adult patient. Uh, they, you may have to step away from the patient or make a call to their medical provider to say, hey, I just saw that all of these medications are going on. This is the procedure I'm going to do. Do I need to prepare for something in particular? My patient is on blood thinners um, and they just told me in their medical history and now I have to go ahead and do this extraction. What do I do? So definitely be prepared to give that older adult extra chairside time. So that's something that uh, dentists may have to work into their skin scheduling on how they are going to see um, older adults. More time, very important, and more patience, I would assume. Because sometimes older Americans do need, older patients need more patience, right? Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. It's a lot like pediatrics, it's the yeah. other end of the spectrum, but yes, they need um, that time, they need that patience. 
Talk for a minute or two about the challenges that um, adult or senior patients have as far as home care is concerned. I'd imagine there are some times when you can do the best job possible in the chair, in the dental operatory, but then the patient goes home and they can't take care of their teeth like they'd like to or like they should. And how do you overcome that? Right. So a lot of times at the dental appointments, we will have the caregiver, the primary caregiver, attend the dental appointment as well. There may be several issues at hand. The most common one is cognition. So a lot of our uh, patients may be in a cognitive failure. They may not even be able to repeat uh, instructions right after you've given them to the patient. So one of the things that you need to uh, evaluate at the very first consultation appointment is um, how much can you rely on the patient's cognition to be able to repeat and reproduce the care instructions that are given? And in that situation, it's always better to repeat these care instructions to the primary caregiver at home. Sometimes it's a spouse who's the same age as the patient, but has better cognition than the patient. Sometimes there are adult children who might you, you might be able to contact. Um, so home care is extremely important because it helps um, it's a preventive barrier, so it prevents further disease and helps to maintain whatever care you as a dentist have provided um, in the dental office. In a nursing home or a long-term care setting, the situation is different because here we have round-the-clock medical staff or nursing staff providing care. So in this type of situation, what we do is we do educational lessons. We do continuing education for the nursing staff to go over the common barriers, how to overcome them, how to look into every patient's mouth, how to help them brush their teeth, clean their dentures, so that we're not 100% relying on the patient to uh, provide their own care, but we're also getting help from their caregivers to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I do have a lot of patients who um, are over the age of 80 or 90, will show up to their appointments in time all by themselves. They're older adults. They're not geriatric uh, patients, but they're older adults. And I will have patients, they'll tell me, oh, I use an electric toothbrush. I floss twice a day. And they have pristine oral health. Um, and that's not very uncommon too. So you kind of have to gauge where your patient falls on the scale um, and then repeat home care instructions for them accordingly. Well, uh, we're in the middle of a big debate in the United States about Medicare for dentists, uh, Medicare for dentistry, which would address, I assume, some of the issues around uh, senior dental care. So would you like to weigh in? As we, as we film this podcast, we're in the debate stage uh, where Congress is considering an expansion to Medicare benefits that would include dental care. None of that has been decided yet. Um, Dr. Katie, any thoughts on that? So here are my personal thoughts. Please. Uh, it's, it's great that uh, American Dental Association um, started the petition and, and supported um, inclusion of dental benefits within the Medicare plan. But the American Dental Association, as well as the Special Care Dental Association, wanted it to go a certain way, which you know I can, I can appreciate and I can see because these associations um, have large teams of policy workers uh, and a lot of experienced dentists who have treated the older adult population uh, creating these plans for them. They are also wanting to make sure that the way the plan is created, the way the dental benefits are provided, that it helps to reimburse dentists um, as much as dentists deserve. As I very well said, that it takes a lot more time to treat an older adult than it does to treat um, a healthy young adult. 
um, but also the the way the Medicare benefit should be included, uh, the dental benefit should be included in Medicare, um, should benefit public health, should improve access to care for older adults, should give them freedom of choice as to which dentist they want to go to, should make these um, uh, dental appointments available in their neighborhood, removing access to care barriers. Um, because one of the main things that we see in geriatrics is unaddressed oral health concerns. And so um, expansion within Medicare is excellent. We've all been, at least in our field of geriatrics, we've been really, really waiting for it with bated breath. So we're very happy to see it happen. But I really hope that it happens a certain way that really helps public health and these older adults making uh, dental care not only accessible, but also affordable. And it encourages other dentists, young, old, new grads, to accept these older adults, which I told you earlier on in the podcast, that I hope more and more people accept older adults into the practice, that the way the plan comes about, that it, it really motivates uh, dentists to accept older adults in their practice and doesn't create new barriers for dentists. I can't, I can't agree more to add a benefit, but make it difficult for those who get the benefit to actually get the care that they're now entitled to is really just like a bait and switch. It's just not productive. So I think there's a lot of details to be worked out along the way. So I, I think that what you said, I think will be generally agreed to within the dental community. We'll see how Washington does with the topic. Um, I'd like to switch gears and ask a few questions about your personal career. And the first one is, and it's a good segue from the conversation or the mention you just had of the public health. You've decided to make your career in the public health sector, as opposed to private practice all the time. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that decision, how you came about it, and how you. And when you look back, do you say, wow, I'm really glad I did that? Or do you have some regrets over not doing private practice? Uh, actually, none whatsoever. In fact, I'm such a big proponent of um, hospital practice as well as public health practice that every time I talk to uh, students, dental students who are deciding what to do with their lives, I, I push for it, even though some of them might say, why not private practice? Why are we doing this? And nothing against private practice. Of course, I have some very, um, very, very enthusiastic and very successful friends who've done very well in private practice private practice, and also a lot of them see a whole ton of older adult patients, which I'm very, very proud of. But I, the reason I chose uh, public health is because I was always inclined towards academia. And what uh, public health practice helps me do in, in this type of hospital setting uh, is it helps me be an academician. It helps me be a clinician. It helps me be a researcher. So I kind of feel um, very selfishly, I'm not just having a one-on-one -on -one impact on just my patients, but I can have a larger impact by training the next generation of dentists by publishing and talking a little bit more about geriatrics and public health as a whole. So getting that message out there. Um, academia and this type of hospital setting appointment gives me that flexibility to wear multiple hats and do all of these things. And I think overall it paints this beautiful picture for me that gives me my ultimate job satisfaction. Um, so this is one of the reasons why, and I may be the odd one here who never really thought of private practice, but I have thoroughly 
enjoyed it and I see a long career in academia continuing to follow this path for myself. Well, I, I find it very inspiring and I've interviewed a few others who have chosen public health or government dentistry or research over a career in private practice. And I think as a profession, while private practice is great and certainly we're all in favor of that, that's the dominant uh, practice delivery uh, care model in the profession, I think we also have to shine some light on those who choose to do the public health route or the research route because we need competent, talented, interested, enthusiastic people to do what you're doing as well. Otherwise, the profession's never going to move forward. And what I heard you say before was in the role that you have now, you, have, you just feel you have a lot more impact than you would have if you only, if you only practiced in a private practice setting. Did I get that right? I agree. Uh, you got it. Absolutely right, that it's not just about impact, it's also having the flexibility and the time, because I know for a fact that a lot of my uh, colleagues and friends who are in private practice would like to do all of these other things. But as you can imagine, being an entrepreneur and managing your business takes up so much of your time that that time is free time for me to end up doing all of these other things. And not, not only to harp on about work-life balance and having enough quality time with you know, my family, um, this type of care model that I have chosen to follow uh, does give me a lot more time um, to spend with family and loved ones and to strike that work-life balance for myself as well. That's great. Uh, one more question, then we'll close it off. And that is, who do you find, you talked before about your parents inspiring you to pursue a career in medicine and dentistry. Med dentistry certainly is a, a branch of medicine. Uh, who inspires you today? Who, who do you look out there and you say, wow, I'm really inspired to go to work to do what I do every day. Talk a little bit about that for a minute, if you would. So there are so many mentors uh, in my field. Um, I would like to mention one, uh, Dr. Joseph Calabrese, who's the director of uh, geriatric dental medicine at Boston University. Um, I remember I was in residency and I came from my geriatric rotation. I was absolutely in awe uh, of the way it's being practiced um, and the setting in the long-term care community. As I told you, that was one of my main reasons to move countries and move to the United States. Um, it's a very funny incident. When I finished my rotation, I looked at him and I said, when I graduate from my residency program, I would love to have a job here. And he looked at me and said, no, there's one job and that job's mine. <laughs> and as, and, uh, he, he has a great sense of humor. As I came closer to graduating from a residency program, lo and behold, he, he came looking for me and drew up a contract for me to start working the, the minute I graduated at the long-term care facility. So he's definitely one of my mentors. Um, I, I also uh, look up to uh, the growing number of uh, women dental deans, uh, which I think has taken a very, very long time in the United States for women dentists um, to be promoted to and be given that responsibility of uh, becoming deans. I think it was a long time coming, uh, and I've heard and read so many of their stories in both ADA and ADEA, um, uh, including uh, Dr. McLaughlin's uh, story uh, about her journey into becoming a professional leader um, as a woman. So I know uh, as women, um, and especially those of us who are uh, coming from extremely diverse backgrounds, it's a constant struggle, but reading their stories and how they have achieved um, their goals and aims and how much 
hard work and constant fighting uh, and that passion that it takes to do that um, as women, as women of color, it's very, very inspiring. And so I constantly look up to them and, and I hope someday uh, there are big things in store for me uh, throughout my professional path as well. I have no doubt that there will be, and there already are. At such a young age, you've accomplished so much. Uh, Lucy Hobbs Award winner, uh, professor at two different dental schools. Uh, your pioneering work in geriatric dental medicine. It's just been inspiring to watch. And I've met you a few times and we've talked. And thank you very much for spending the time with us today. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll have more people tell us, you know, listen to this and be inspired to pursue a career that's similar to yours. Uh, in geriatric dental medicine or in anything that's in public health or, or professor or research. All those things are terrific in dentistry. So Dr. Katie, thank you very much for spending the time today. Uh, this, uh, this closes another episode of our Driving Dentistry Forward podcast. Uh, Dr. Katie, thanks again. Everybody have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thanks for listening in. Don't want to miss an episode of the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast? Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app.